Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. This is episode 10-5, and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernil. And every week we get together, we hang out, and we listen to great video game music with no console generation restrictions. We just throw it down, get the music out there, and smile about it yeah. on occasion. <laughs> um, have you been playing anything uh, new recently? Well... Been kind of off track, but mm-hmm. um, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I was reviewing Danganronpa V3, mm-hmm. so that was a lot of my gaming time. I'm also reviewing a game called Cold Set Revolt, which is on the 3DS. It comes out the day after this episode releases, so that's a pretty cool game. If you've never played Cold Set, you need to get on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Cold, that's, a, that's, a, that's a classic title, right? Yeah, they've been around for a while, but yeah. this is like probably the third iteration to come to the States. So there was Coldcept on the PS2, then there was Coldcept on the 360, and then there was this one on the 3DS. Ah, I see. Um, and then aside from that, I've just been kind of acquiring things and trying to establish, trying to make a decision to try to cut back and buy less to none. Easier said than done when you constantly want to keep up with stuff, though. But buy less. You mean board games, right? A little bit of both, <laughs> but mostly board games at this point. Well, what was that one that we played at your house uh, a couple weeks ago? That was like a fighting game. It was called like Battle System. Oh, um, BattleCon Devastation of Endings. That game was cool. It's yeah, it's awesome. Super cool. Yeah, really, really fun two-player, uh, um, st- strategic, really, really fun card game. And it's and it was we played like the basic set, and it was like simple rules. But it played out like a fighting game in slow motion, which I thought was really neat. And there are tons of variations you can slap onto if you want to make it yeah, more complicated, too. Neat. But let's talk about this week's topic. And funny leading into that topic, because we have to outright state this statement here. So okay. last oh, week, yeah. I talked <laughs> about, right. I was talking about a listener on our show named Henrik. And I asked a number of questions and just general statements to him. And he actually responded back to every last one of them. No, and he, no, a he very just awesome back. voice. Yeah, he sent back an audio file where he cut clips of us talking about him, like kind of jokingly because that's what we do. And he responded for every single one. And it was it was awesome. We loved it. It very was entertaining. so cool. And then we got to the very end and he ended his response with a particular track from a particular artist. Yes. And kid you not... <laughs> <laughs> we listened to it 10 minutes ago, and the artist of the track you submitted is the artist whose episode this is based around. That's right. That artist is Rob Hubbard. Not Ron Hubbard, which <laughs> I've been totally screwed on all week. I can't believe that. I was but shopping for Ron Hubbard tracks. No, we wanted to do a Western composer focus, and um, I love Rob Hubbard's music, and so, but we... Our experience with Rob Hubbard is different from maybe someone from Europe or someone from um, the UK um, experience with Rob Hubbard's music who would have more exposure to the C64 and the Amiga because we've had more exposure to like the NES and the Genesis. Yeah, because like even though relatives I knew had Commodores and such, they weren't really like adamant fans of them. It was more <laughs> like it's in my house and yeah, I use it. Exactly. It wasn't like a lot of games and a lot of uh, advertisements and stuff like that out there for it. Unfortunately, but he still had a few tracks from a few games that we do have exposure to mm. a number of which were actually kind of surprising to me as I was going through the list of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Turning the fat. A lot of his music that I grew up listening to, I didn't realize was all like, like a lot of these tracks were him that I loved. 
like him and Tim Fallon. Like I had no idea that <laughs> these were. I thought these were Japanese, you know, programmers and composers, but no, they weren't. <laughs> just chilling in the basement, making right. some awesome tunes for a lot of money. So let, let's get into some tunes. Um, so, what is your first Rob Hubbard tune? Well, Rob <laughs> Hubbard, my first track is going to be a fairly obvious one, I think. Mm-hmm. It's going to be from the game Road Rash 2. Yeah. And this track is for the Vermont stage and composed by not Ron Hubbard. <laughs> I can't believe it. are listening to the track for the Vermont stage from the game Road Rash 2 composed by Rob Hubbard. This is not Tennessee. Tennessee? Tennessee, yeah, it's not Tennessee. Um, that track was the one I originally went to pursue, but oh. apparently that was written by a guy guy named Don Vecca or Vika? Not sure okay, how so that was that was different. There was two different composers on. Huh? Yeah, I was surprised it was more than two one composer on this game. Hmm. But thankfully, he did Ron Hubbard. Sorry, God, my God, this is going to kill me today. <laughs> keep doing this. Rob Hubbard <laughs> did a number of other tracks from this game that I also liked. So even though my number one wasn't his, number two and three were. So I was content with that. And this game, well, it has fun. I have fond memories of it in the sense that mm-hmm. I don't think too many racing games play like this. Yeah, there's games where you can throw like red shells or use rockets and weapons on yeah, each but other. This was like legit. Riding on motorcycles, just hitting each other with bats. Yes, it was, was glorious. <laughs> it's so much fun. And a part of me wants to recall there being cops in the game, too, but it's been a while, so I don't I remember. Think, I think there were cops in the second one. I think what happened was at the end of a race, it was like cops were coming by. But what was fun was like, 
um, like the CPU characters, they would like say things to you. So like if you if you like knock somebody out, like in between the next stage, they'd be like, "I'm gonna get you this time," or like, "Hey, thanks for helping me out," you know. And then I would just buy a, a better bike and then say, "No, you're not getting me, buddy. <laughs> I'm too good for you." But like the game itself was very unique for that since like you, you got down and dirty and gritty. The music was good. Yeah, you would buy new bikes in between levels. You could upgrade the bikes. And you would te- technically steal weapons from other bikers as they're yeah. trying to attack you, which was just kind of <laughs> hilarious. Like, hit you with a chain. Not today, jump! And take his chain yeah, and start whacking like, him with it. Just right. It I was, think that was new to Road Rash 2. Like, Road Rash 2 had the two-player um, mode, which the first one didn't. So it probably had the two-player plus the weapon acquisitions. Yeah. Um, it was just a genuinely solid game. There was a Road Rash 3, I believe, but I don't have too much experience with that. And then no. there was Road Rash 3D. But that was like a, that was like 3DO or something? 3D? No, it was on PS1. A PS1, okay. And it came with a soundtrack if you pre-ordered it. The soundtrack was... Uh, yeah. but And the game <laughs> needed more polish, but I wished it went back to it because yeah. one of the things I liked most about the game mm-hmm. was that it was, one consi- it was one persistent world. Like, you were just on a giant map. And you could just hit roads as you saw fit. So, of course, I might say go from here to here. But all the roads from all the other routes are still there. So if you know the map, you can technically drive off the course and have the game say that you're in eighth place. Yeah. And then get ahead of everybody else <laughs> further down the road by taking a shortcut and just, like, hopping back. Oh, I was like, now so you're in broken. first. I love it. I've seen, like, speed runs of, like, Mario 64 where, like, they kind of, like, they know where the map will let you do it. But it's really specific. Yeah. This game was like, whatever, just go. Yeah, as long as you get there first. That's what matters. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm not sure if they intended it to be that way. That's funny. But I love the fact that it was. And I would do that fairly often. I would just jump ship and just drive down the road and just cheat and get ahead of the pack and, like, just jump back on. Like, whoa. You know, we think about, like, Road Rash. Like, oh, it'll be fun if they make, like, another one, right? Like, if there was, like, another Road Rash-type game out there. But, like, would that even be relevant now? Because, yes. Because, no, but you think of, like, people racing and just hitting each other with bats and chains like wouldn't you just play grand theft auto yeah but if they did enough if they put enough polish on this it would be better It'd like be grand better. theft auto has that but it's like a side mini game in there it's not the game like this is like you want something that's more like specific like you're racing this is a thing yeah i mean yeah. like think about it you can race you can tell me do like high speed races in grand theft auto but people yeah. are still going to buy you know not i want to say dirt but intently dirt does count because you can do <laughs> off-road racing in grand theft auto 5 but you're still going to buy the dirt. You're still going to buy the Forzes, even though GTA has all this, because you want that level of polish and dedication yeah, to true. that type of game. And online play and ranking and all the all the stuff that comes with. Like, yeah, you want the total pack. Games. What if, if if Road Rash came out today? What do you think they'd still be on motorcycles? Or do you think like they would like do something different, like segways? Well, if they did Road <laughs> Rash, they would have to stick to <laughs> motorcycles by virtue of the fact that they want to they want to run with the name. But or maybe if somebody like, took a swing at the ACDs. concept. Um, hoverboards. Actually, hoverboards will be slick. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Like, I think we're both we're thinking of different things here. You're talking about a racing game, but different vehicles. Yeah, but I think I'm saying like those like cheap Chinese hoverboards that you oh, see kids around. Oh God, no, no, or a, a stupid like standing board where you put your hands to the side, like weird, you're bouncing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be so sad. Road rash Segway adventures. Yeah. I God no! Like what would kids be doing? They'd be crazy. Rascals! You drive rascals! <laughs> I drive oh, like those uh, those, like the uh, like a senior citizen. Like you get yeah. on those little like little carts. They use rolling pins Dude. and old slippers. Now that would be a game where it was. I mean, not technically old people, but like you'd ride around like on like those little carts or maybe like shopping carts. Oh yeah! 
Yeah, and then, like one guy pushes it down the hill, and then you fight. I would play that. Now that would remember Jackass, mm-hmm. like from like the '90s, the MTV show. Yeah, with like Johnny Knoxville and them beating each other up. That w- that should have been their game. That would have been a great game. I wouldn't be surprised. That, you mean like it's even a video game based around that? Yeah, I'm sure that probably was. But like that would be fun. They that, did an episode around it, but they definitely didn't do a game around. If it was like Road Rash, like in shopping carts, I'd have done that. I see. We're just, I feel like we had these weird episode ideas yeah. or these weird game ideas on episodes, but if somebody with the chops put something together, it could work. We can call it something different. We can call it Supermarket Sweep. I think I think that would have some conflict. <laughs> could, it could. It might, though. It <laughs> might. Supermarket Sweep. Um, so I'm going to move on to my first track, and actually is also going to be from the Road Rash series. So uh, before... Well, actually, after we decided on this topic... I wanted to reach out to our friend Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast um, because he did a Commodore 64 Rob Hubbard focused on his show because um, Rob Hubbard actually lived around where he lived. So um, I wrote to him and I said, hey, what are some of your favorite picks um, from Rob Hubbard's uh, catalog? And he came back with, um, with a little something to say and I picked one of the tracks. So I'm, I'm, what are we going with? Let me read off what he said, and then I'll, um, I'll read off the pick here. He said, uh, Rob Hubbard is a VGM legend. He is born in Kingston-upon-Hull, but considered to be from Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which is his town, um, where he lived until 1988, at which point he moved to the States to work for Electronic Arts. He is a C64 game music composer par excellence. Received an honorary doctorate of music from Arberte University, Dundee, Scotland, in 2016. So um, from, from the he picks has. he sent me, because one of them you've already picked, and I kind of wanted to steer clear of C64, I picked from Road Rash 1. This is Pacific Coast. And he says that this, it sounds like he's writing for a C64 music here, but through the Genesis or slash Mega Drive's FM sound hardware. Suitably punchy and bold for when you're blasting down the open road. <laughs> that's a perfect description for a track that's meant, that plays on the Pacific Coast. Yeah. And then um, for another track, he wrote this. I just have to say it. Is that this is what cracked me up. I love this. This is, why I, I, this is why I love Michael. He said, some people don't understand or like the FM guitar type sounds. I don't understand these people. <laughs> Neither do we, Neither friend. do we. <laughs> Neither do we. So this is uh, Pacific Coast from the game Road Rash for the Sega Genesis. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
Alright, this jam, this absolute jam, is the Pacific Coast from the game Road Rash for the Sega Genesis, composed by Rob Hubbard. And uh, yeah, Michael is right. This definitely has that kind of Commodore 64 like vibe to it. And maybe that's because of the time period this one came out. This came out in 1991. Back basically the early days of the Genesis. Yeah, the very early days of the Genesis. This doesn't have as much of that guitar sound, that FM like grindy guitar sound. But the uh, that arpeggiated like blah 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 is really awesome. And that lead sound he does is really reminiscent of I think the melody in the lead to uh, Skate or Die which is for the Commodore 64, the Amiga, and the, um, the Nintendo. For some reason, for me, I felt like I heard... There's like a part in the song where I thought it sounded like a guy was kind of like chiming in to sing like... Yeah, 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 there's a little bit of that. Like I think it's like in the second half. This is a long track. It's like over three minutes. Well, I mean, Pacific Coast is a, it's pretty long. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's... Yeah, it's, it is a long ride. A, especially, long when, like, ride. especially when like... Here it is. Here yeah. it comes. This part is super... Super synth wavy. I love it. Here it comes again. <laughs> I love that sound. This is legit. Like yeah, this is great. Like, but I will say, as good as this track is, though, I feel like you can definitely tell that, similar to how Road Rash Two was a vast improvement over Road Rash One. Mm-hmm. Rob, Rob Hubbard's <laughs> yeah. God bloody Rob Hubbard's tracks have definitely improved between Road Rash 2 and Road Rash 1 across the board. Yeah, you feel like his like his work improved over time. Exactly. Yeah, it's I not saying so, that yeah. these tracks are bad. It's just saying Road Rash 2s are much better. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I like this a little bit more, but I think it's just I like that kind of sound like that's coming out of this. It's more like kind of it's more dancey than rock rock sounded. Like a cha-cha that it is. Bad toosie. I think so. I think like a heavier beat. You know, they're not getting exactly like the heavy beat that like Yuzo Koshiro can get from like Streets of Rage. Yeah, but few people can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, few people make make the room to put like that whole 808 you know kicks into the into their their songs. But yeah, I, I like this a lot. I think this is a great pick. I like that we're putting a lot of Genesis music in today's episode. Yep, and the next track will be no different because yeah. <laughs> I was also surprised by the fact that we were kind of getting Genesis heavy. Um, and in this regard, this is the track, if I remember correctly, where the description that you gave earlier that Mike had provided yes. was for this track. Yes. Just coincidental that I picked the same track. <laughs> so we'll see if that FM guitar sound is prevalent, as he says. All right. Now, the track itself is from a little game, well-known game, called Lakers vs. Celtics, the early days of electronic arts. Mm. And it's the title theme from that game. Track posed by Rob Hubbard. Finally.
Welcome back. You're listening to the awesome, awesome, ever bobossome Lakers versus Celtics title theme track composed by Rob Hubbard. This track is probably, along with Bulls versus Blazers, the most reviled track in my Genesis history. Not by virtue of how it sounds, because it sounds freaking awesome. I didn't realize that back at the time, though. So you would hear the song and be angry about it? Because he, yes. Obviously, because he didn't like, because he liked the song. At the time, I didn't, because I, it encompassed a bad thing, which was my brother's, or in some cases, my brother and his friend shutting off Shadow Dancer or Mystic Defender, because uh. they wanted to sit there and play basketball games all bloody day. And I hated those. So it was a matter of like, oh, do, 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 do. Ah, I want to beat the game. Turn this trash off. But now that I'm an adult yeah. with, you know, more of appreciation for game music, even outside of the scope of games I personally would play, yeah. this track is legit. Yeah. I mean, Rob Hubbard and a lot of other great um, composers and artists worked at Electronic Arts in these places. And you know, these are these are the birth, this birthplace of John Madden and the birthplace of, you know, Lakers, Celtics, uh, Bulls, Blazers, which I completely forgot about. Jordan versus Bird, NHL, 93, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yeah, I think there was like whatever. a set of like, I think it was a total of like maybe three or four games within that set of games where every year it was, I think it was whoever was in the championship or like in the final four that yeah. year. So I was like, it was like Lakers versus Celtics, Bulls versus Blazers, uh, Bulls. It was like Bulls were on like three of them because mm-hmm. the Bulls were in there every year. Now I, I always thought it was just because like because I grew up like in a sports house and I know that um, Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson was like a thing. Like their rivalry was a thing in the nineties. So I figured like that because at the same time there was the um, the Jordan versus Bird one on one. Yeah, that was that was on was that on Genesis or NES? That was on a lot of things. I had that on my Apple too. Oh wow! Or one of those. Yeah, I think it was an Apple too. No, I'm asking Positive was also on NES thing. That's where I feel like I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, was on NES also. And, and Rob Hubbard did the music for that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like rivalry type basketball games that came out. And yeah, Rob Hubbard did a lot of the music for those. So in that case, I can <laughs> say thank you, Rob Hubbard, for making an awful experience into something with awesome audio. A little more bearable. Now, yeah, this is, this is a really fun track. All, again, it's, it's kind of long form. It's got some really cool, chunky guitar sounds. Yeah, this definitely encompasses the, um, the FM guitar sound that, yes. that Michael mentioned earlier. Yes, definitely. So good. But it's a deeper sound, too. And he's got like a lot of like like extra melodies and like chords playing on top of it. It's a really well-composed track. This actually makes me want to listen to the... Oh, not Rob Hubbard, mind you, but it makes me want to listen to the Kid Chameleon soundtrack now because mm-hmm. there were a lot of tracks in that game that used FM guitar. Yeah. And they, it used it to glorious effect, <laughs> for that matter too. So yeah, it was cool how like like on the on the Super Nintendo they did a lot of sampled sounds, mm-hmm. and so like the guitar, like you think of like like the guitar sound from like Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy V, like it sound like it's it's it sounds close enough to a guitar, but then you get like into the Genesis, it was completely different. Yeah, like that's why I always I always have that argument or or discussion discussion quote unquote yeah with folks regarding Genesis versus Super Nintendo and I always felt like even though to me they both graphics and sound I was fine with it, both components on both systems but if you were going to talk about you know betterness graphically due to color Super Nintendo was always on top for me yeah it was like brighter it was brighter, brighter and more colors. colorful yeah. and more like 
it felt more animated, more live. Mm-hmm. Genesis, even though I think the majority of my favorite OSTs were on Super Nintendo, I can't deny that because that's where all the RPGs were. Yeah, the majority, mind you. I felt like the Genesis had a very special place because I felt like technologically the Genesis was inferior for sound production, but the people who put the music on there did a ridiculously good job with what they had. Mm thus resulting in things like FM guitar sales. Yeah, I think it's just it's just different where where it was a time where for games people wanted to compose music that sounded like like a full rock band or an orchestra, but then you go but they just approached it from different ways. Mm-hmm. Because probably because of the hardware that was available and 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 also the technology of sound synthesis itself at the time, sampling and everything was still very primitive. And, and the way they were able to, to, to compose music using sampled sounds or synthesized sounds was still in its early stages. So the Nintendo just, they said, you know what, we're not going to use a classic sound generating chip like, like the, uh, the PSG from the Nintendo, which only can do like you know, a couple different sound waves. We're going to use sampled sounds only. Where Sega, I mean, and I think it makes sense from a Sega standpoint, like all of their arcade games up to that point used Yamaha FM synth chips, that they would just throw it into their Genesis. Just keep it going. Keep it going. And I mean, it also contained the PSG that was used in the in the, the Master System. So it was like always a combination of the so two. So I had them both. Had them both, yes. Oh, okay. Um, and that's how you get... They, they would use it to different effect. You don't really hear it so much in these tracks, but... But yeah, so it kind of makes sense. But they just they approached it from two different ways, and for me, one's not better than the other. But the Genesis is far, far superior. Yes. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> one's not better than the other, but this one's better than that. You know, that's just the way it goes. And to prove my point, I've got another Genesis track for you. Oh, yes. This Which? is the title theme. Another title theme because that's that's the classic EA. You know, Rob Hubbard, oh, C64 way. You got one title track and no other music. Oh, we're going further down the rabbit hole of despair for me, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> this mercy. is and I, this is for John Madden football. Oh, God. Football. <laughs> Who's ready for a game of football? <laughs> not me. Yeah, not. I've only played one football game that I liked, and it was not this one. <laughs> um, this is the title theme to John Madden football for the Sega Genesis. Again, composed by Rob Hubbard, and I've got to tell you, I love, I love sports music, and mainly for this this style of song. This is so much fun. All right, so title theme, Rob Hubbard.
love this song. I really, I, I really love this song. This is the title theme to the game John Madden Football for the Sega Genesis, composed by Rob Hubbard. And okay, say what you want about football video games or whatever. This song rocks. Like this, this part right here is so good. I would say this is quite a jam. It's such a jam. Like, even like the, the the silly voice samples in it too. It's like it's awesome. It's like I said, I feel like as an adult, I have um, I can appreciate this more for the artistry that goes into it and the general quality sound that yeah. comes out. I'm sorry, back in the day, man. <laughs> I know, me it, too. It's like it's like the equivalent of like I used to complain about why people are like why do you hate Star Trek so much? Well, aside from the fact that I would fall asleep watching it. The other reason was because it always signified the end of weekday afternoon cartoons. Uh, see, I love Star Trek, and I didn't mind. See, you didn't mind. You were ready to explore the final frontier. Me? Yeah. I wanted to go back. <laughs> you wanted to go back. As long as it was the next generation. The original series wasn't for me. I think it was the next generation that was yeah, usually yeah, airing TNG, on that slot. It was 5 o'clock on Fox 29. Fox 29. Yeah, Fox 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philly, Philly Fox 29. Yep, Fox 29. Not Philly 57. No, nah, that was Philly. That was Heathcliff. Heathcliff. No one should terrorize your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, um, moving on. Um, <laughs> too much. Too much. Uh, so John Madden football. So my brother. Me, my brother was in all the sports games. Being again in a sports household, um, we had all these games, and I was mostly into like the Tecmo football. Like that was my football. Like Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl was super super fun. But um, but yeah, John Madden came out. Um, originally for I think an older computer system I, I can't remember which one it was but this is the one that we all remember and then eventually became like as it is today like Madden 95 and then Madden this and then Madden that mm-hmm. um, so John Madden was I think he was a coach for I don't know what team my brother told me all of this we were super drunk when he was visiting because <laughs> he has since moved away but he was he, this game so John Madden at the time computer football computer games didn't make any sense like, of course, they couldn't do a whole lot, mm-hmm. but they hardly resembled the game of football. Like, Tecmo Bowl kind of resembles football, but not really. You just threw passes all the time. And like so, John Madden wanted to say, like, you know what? Why can't there be a computer game that was more like the game of football? He loved the game so much, he wanted more people to know how to play it and what it was about. Wait, so they didn't go to him to put his name on the game? He went to them? Yes. So, he went to EA and said, I want to make this game. You put my name on it, and it'll be like the John Madden game. And so they created a game, and they brought it back to him, and he said, what is this? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, he didn't like it. And so he helped them design this game to be more like an actual game of football. That actually kind of blows my mind, because if that's true, which it obviously is because you researched it, that means that essentially he's the reason why we have quality football games today, because most other companies are pretty much emulating Madden. Yeah. It's the, it's the whole thing. Well, I mean, nowadays, like, yeah, it's all about simulation. But he wanted to create a game that was fun, but still simulated the actual game of football so more people could understand and appreciate the real game of football. Hmm. Which is just funny because to this day, you and I don't care. That is very much true. <laughs> I, so it didn't work on us. It did not work on us, but... But you got to respect that, right? Like, that's super cool. Oh, no, it's awesome because yeah. while, while we don't play them, like I said, Madden is up to what, like, it's... Probably, if you did the math, it's probably up to like almost this 20th iteration. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. It's way, way up there. So if you think about it in that regard, not only is the series extremely successful, but it's successful with the audience that it was meant to yeah. really hit with, which is football fans. So if you're a fan of football, I can imagine, in fact, I don't even have to imagine, I watched it happen with my brother and his friends, mm-hmm. how 
drawn to this game they were and how enthusiastic they were about yeah. playing this game and choosing plays like actual plays and playing them out in the game. Yes, like before, like that was never a thing. Because like, like, Tecmo Bowl had plays, but they were very like it was, it was like, a very two, small roster. Yeah, two running plays, two pass plays, and like, and then you had to like kind of. And then in defense was the exact same thing, and it was almost like a uh, uh, rock paper scissors. Like you tried to pick the right play to defend against. But with these games, they had like some teams had unique plays they yeah. could throw. Yeah, just like the real teams. Yeah, so it was like in that regard, it was really awesome. The players had authentic stats that they yeah, tried to the, use them to. Their go. real names were in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was just a genuinely solid upgrade to the concept of let's play a football game. Mm-hmm. Hope you can, now you can play this and feel like <laughs> well you can't listen. You feel like it for the time because graphics have to they're not that way anymore but right. you can feel like you're actually engaging in a game football simulation. Yeah. And so um, and also apologies to um, listeners from outside the states. We're talking about American football which I know is only a thing in America. I'm assuming. <laughs> we should maybe now. I feel like we got to have an episode devoted to like soccer, so we can pull like freaking like oh, I, you know, I, I, Kuni I, game I tracks to, on it. I was talking to Michael about that. I think on Twitter, I was like, "Yeah, we totally want to do a soccer, a soccer game." It'll just be my excuse to throw Kuni Okun tracks in. So, <laughs> well, there's a lot of them, and like they're they are loved, like the Madden series in America. They are loved all over the world. Yeah, FIFA actually. I don't even think I want to say it, but I'll say it in this in that episode too. But <laughs> funny enough, I actually bought. That was the first sports game that I like tried to really get into was FIFA. Oh yeah, because I always felt I didn't I, know that. Mm-hmm, I it's bought. Like I've learned something new about you. I bought FIFA on the N sixty four, and actually played it. <laughs> like <laughs> as he was sit down. You were, in, were you interested, or did, were you were you trying to like you know because someone else played it and you wanted to play with them? I I was interested. Like I felt like this could be the sport I would like. Oh cool. Like so I was like I'll invest in it. And the music in the game was legit. It was how legitimately did it, good. How did it work out for you? In the end? I found myself entertained by it. Yeah. But the problem was, and this is a big thing that all sports games have that kills me. They're silent. <laughs> Yes, like that, that's why we have title themes that are like three minutes long, four minutes long, and, and then like nothing. And then the game is silent. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like. I mean, heck, Mario Chargers is like a freaking cartoony soccer game. And that game is silent, silent in the game. Yeah. It's like, come on, man! At least give you the option to turn it on and off. Yeah, because yeah. I want music while I play. Well, I think like you know, because like you play these sections of the game that are like 10, 15 minutes long. And they can only compose music that was like maybe three or four minutes, and they would have to loop it so many times. I, I'm guessing, or maybe there's only so much space on the uh, on the ROMs. Honestly, I think what it boiled down to was that this is a personal thought. There's no research done here, but I personally believe it's because they feel as though people don't want, just don't want to have music mm. while these games are in effect, due to the fact that it's just a sport. They want you to think it's the people. The, the people are wrong. The people are wrong. Yes, the people are wrong. I, I want music in the game. That's why it should be toggleable. Like, give me the option. Yeah, just do it. I mean, they already have licensed tracks on the half of these things now. Just give me the option to play well, menu yeah. music in the game. The landscape is much different these days. Yeah, it is. But even back then, it's like, just give me the choice. Right, let me decide on that. All right. Well, let's let's go on to our. You no, know, well, else is, the other thing that's running long is this episode. <laughs> Well, this is true, but hopefully it's We've not a some, bad running long, and yeah, it's a good running long. This is this is great. I'm I'm loving all this all this Rob Hubbard music. So I think we're on to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What you got? And I'm hoping this is the track that I intended it to be. We'll find out if I screwed up, <laughs> folks. I guess we will. Oh yeah. So the track that I picked is from the fantastic classic Skater Die yes. One, and it is the skate shop theme from said game, composed by Hubbard Rob. And you picked for the NES. Yes.
Welcome back. You're listening to Skate Shop from the game Skate or Die, composed by Rob Hubbard. And what is located on what is probably the most skater-convenient block in town. <laughs> you can skate on into the skate shop and pick up gear from the one and only Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> As he offers you awesome I, think, I think it's just Rodney, or is it Lester? It's probably Lester. I don't remember telling him. There's I, two of them. No, he's Lester. A Lester. But he looks so much like Rodney Dangerfield that I have no doubt that. <laughs> well, there was, there is one named Rodney. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's Rodney and Lester. Must be one of the sequels or something. Then nah, maybe I know Skater Die Two, um, the Search for Double Trouble, <laughs> uh, is has Rodney and Lester in it, and one of them sells you skates, uh, skateboards, and the other one sells you items. That makes sense, yeah, because in Skater Die 2, you had, like, it was more like a weird, like, side-scroller. Yeah, an adventure game. I was obsessed with that game. But, like, yeah, this, but I love this track. I love yeah. the fact that even as a kid, I, I was like, this is totally Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> but, um, but this is a cool pick. Like, of, like, I mean, the, the theme song is just iconic. You, you picked this one, which is super fun. Yeah, like, I like this theme song, but this, for me, has always been my favorite track from the series, even. Like, Skater Die 1 and 2. Never played Skier Die, so I don't know anything about that. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm not... Actually, I'm not familiar with that at all. But like, I'm most familiar with Skater Die 2. But th- this one, um, especially for the NES, it sounds really clear. Like, the bass is really clear and the drums are really clear. Hey, it's one of my favorites. It's like, it's simple, but mm-hmm. extremely, extremely effective. Yeah. Super effective, one might say. <laughs> uh, it's just... It's a genuine calming track from a much quieter time. It was, yeah. I remember playing Skater Die on a friend's PC. It wasn't a PC, but I think it was an Amiga. He had an Amiga, and we play this. We had like this little, those little tiny little joysticks. Mm-hmm. We try to play the jousting game, and that made no sense, and <laughs> all that other stuff. Oh yeah, I can honestly say for a fact that I was abysmal at this oh, game. Like I weird. was not good at handling the controls. It was very hard, very very hard to figure out, especially without any um any uh, um, manuals to tell you what to do. But I can say it was worth the effort, because <laughs> the jams were good. The game it was very unique at the time. Yes. It, I mean, there was no Tony Hawk, and Tony Hawk in his own right isn't like this. Tony uh, Hawk is his own beast. Yeah, I think this was actually pre-Tony Hawk, like before Tony Hawk actually like took over the scene. The, oh, it was definitely before he took over the scene, but I thought you were going to say this was before Tony Hawk took the skateboarding. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't even go downhill standing straight up on a skateboard. Yeah, I can't even do roller skates now. No, I, I can't do any of that. So I have, like, no balance. Mm. I can barely stay on a bike. Yeah, I'll keep video games. <laughs> yeah, I know. And those I feel like a superstar. Well, this is a good place to talk about um, one thing that I learned. Um, so he composed, Rob Hubbard composed this for the NES. He also composed the original music that was on the Commodore 64. Okay. I think was where the game originally came out. And on the Commodore 64 has the, the classic um, SID chip, which is a three-channel um, sound processing chip, which had like filters and stuff. It has a very specific sound, but only three channels. And for this game, he was able to sample on a fourth hidden channel a guitar sound. So he discovered a back channel. So I don't think it was him. It was someone else named Paul, and I'll come up with his name later. It's called Paul something or other. And what they discovered was that by changing the volume on one of the channels, just changing the volume, it created a clicking sound. And that was just a glitch. But they found that if they could do it tens and thousands of times a second, they could actually recreate a waveform with all of those clicks. Feed it two-bit samples. <laughs> and replay samples using noise generated from playing with the volume. So it was technically a fourth channel. 
That is insane. Isn't that crazy? But it may well... These ex- people were hackers. Like, straight-up hackers. It may well explain why I felt like the Skater Die games, most specifically 2, had a very unique sound compared to other games on the NES. Yeah. the Well, they, for the NES, I mean, they had which had, like, kind of, like, rudimentary sampling to begin with. But, yeah, like, his, his work with, like... With putting samples and like making sounds sound the way they do, it's just really revolutionary. And uh, for Skater Die Two, the theme song for that one sounds, I think, sounds most like the original Skater Die One for the C sixty four. Of course, with all those crazy like voice samples in it. <laughs> but yeah, I want to I want to put that out there. I thought that was really neat that I learned about. I spent a lot of time reading about um, old programming tricks and stuff on the Commodore sixty four. I just think it's funny that on this episode, you've literally mentioned about three different things that were completely unknown to me that I'm learning on this recording. Yeah, I, I was just it's just important. This is a, this is a time that I was like really into video games and um, that I was learning like a lot of a lot of sports games too. So, Rob Hubbard, man, yeah, he brought down he brought the funk. <laughs> so I'm gonna play one last uh, NES track. Um, and this is from Kings of the Beach for the NES. This is one I actually haven't played. And this is the match theme song for the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by Rob Hubbard. You're listening to the match theme from the game Kings of the Beach for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And um, listening to this again, I'm like, this, these Skate or Die, Ski or Die, Kings of the Beach, uh, these are developed by Konami and published by Ultra. So I'm starting to think that some of this music is Rob Hubbard, adapted Rob Hubbard, and some of this is not. So this could very well be Jun Funahashi, which certainly sounds a lot like the Jun Funahashi sound, or maybe this is just the Konami sound um, in the game, but this is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to say Rob Hubbard composed on this game, at least for the original C64 tune. That Actually, that's probably it. That's probably what it is. That's probably what happened. And, Ultra but, Games did it for the NES as they brought it up, and that yeah. would be where the Japanese composer comes in. Yeah, Konami, yeah, yeah. So we have, we have Konami probably with the Japanese composer Jun Funahashi doing this. But that's okay. This is a great song, right? Oh, I like it. I hope the listeners like it. If you don't, I'll be concerned. It's a lot of fun. If you don't like it, tell us what you would like instead, (laughs) but you should like this. So um, I I work with um, a woman, uh, Magda, who is obsessed with volleyball. 
And her I whole was about f- to say she's obsessed with skater. She die. loves she loves ski or die. No, no. She um her whole family they play uh, volleyball competitively. They go to these these tournaments together, and they're in these they're all in different divisions, and they, they play as a family. It's it's amazing. Oh, so it's not just that they like volleyball; it's that they're good at volleyball. They well, they just play it all the time. They're on teams, and they just keep playing. And um, it's, she said it's difficult for their um, for their sons who are getting older now who love volleyball. There's no male volleyball teams in high school. It's all female. That's kind of surprising because no, I know in school we all had to play. It wasn't well, just... yeah, yeah, but you think of like the, the volleyball team. It was all women. That is true, Essie. No, I don't think I recall a men's volleyball team. <laughs> no, that's sad. But that goes across the board, though. Really, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I feel like. That also does make me kind of wonder, though. I mean, just if there, is there is there an interest? Like maybe that is that why they started doing that? Was there a, was there a lack of interest in guys to play volleyball? You think? I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I guess. I mean, we were in high school. There, I can't. You know what? I'm not the authority on this. That makes two of us. I we're not go, sporty people. Yeah, I didn't go to any sports games. I didn't. I didn't go to any. So I couldn't tell you. But I'm sure, like, yeah, I would say that it's sports in high school are probably very male-dominated. Yeah, they are, unfortunately. Yeah. And so the interest in a um, in, in volleyball is probably not very high. Alas. But I can tell you one thing. W- would you have played? Oh, I was a beast at volleyball. Oh, yeah? Are you kidding me? Well, like, like phys ed. Yeah, in phys ed volleyball. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure the pros would mop the floor with me. <laughs> but in grade school, when it came time to do sporting events in gym, I was bad at basketball. I was bad at flag football. Well, except for when I was angry. I could tackle with the best of them. Yeah, but, yeah totally. But when it came time for volleyball, <laughs> my height was good. Yeah. And I was able to I was able to do a lot of stopping. I was able to stop the ball very often. The only problem I had was controlling it's dumb as it may sound, controlling my power with hitting the ball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I, I would hit the ball I and that thing would go far. flying yeah. skyward and just shoot across That's the what terrain. You do. Man, when people were like, Oh, but you're so tall. Did you play did you play basketball? You'd be like, No, I'm a beast at volleyball. I'm a volleyball savant. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Super spike P ball. Yeah, I'm the striker. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I am the striker. All right, I'm going to pull this track down. I'm going to pull the track down, and we are going to get into the part of the show we'd like to call the bonus round. Bonus round. Way cool, dude. Nice. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on our theme. And today's theme is a composer focus on the wonderful Rob Hubbard. So, Pernell, I am genuinely interested. What did you find? Well... This one was, I'm hoping you end up digging it, but it was a cover theme. Cover theme. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Easy, breezy, beautiful cover theme. <laughs> anyway, this is the cover for the title theme for the game Road Rash 2. Oh, cool. Um, so back back to the Road Rash. That's right, because I love Road Rash. It's the, it's the best for my complexion. No, that's a terrible statement. I quit. <laughs> um, no, the, no, no, no. The, the, the rash is clearing up. The road rash has been clearing up. I've been I've been oint, like, lubing it with ointment. It's been taking care of it. I'm in a this 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 darn coffee. I tell you, is throwing me off my game. Yeah, I don't know how you drink coffee this late. <laughs> well, I I do because my sleep is rough. But I'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But this episode's track of choice for me on cover time. Bandcamp land is the title theme for Road Rash 2, done by Luke Jansen. Mm. 
It was the theme track to Road Rash, done by Road Rash 2, technically, done by Luke Jansen. That track was lengthy, but to me, quality lengthy. Oh, man. It was like, it was almost dreamlike, and all of those like long, sweeping synth sounds. I was like, I was just falling into that one. That was so cool. I, I just was trying to picture. I felt like it was. It made me think of a concept of like a person like in like a white suit, mm-hmm. like with a nice tie, strutting down like a Miami street. <laughs> yeah, you know, swiffing a martini glass in his hand because he, apparently he's just that awesome that he can carry it across town like mm-hmm. he like he does. To me, it, it gave me the, the the feeling of like riding for me like driving, but like on like on a long highway with like lots of hills and dips and stuff. Yeah. Kind of like soaring through. in a white suit. Though. You know, okay, only you are going to get this, and maybe like a couple other people who listen to the show. But like three or four in the morning, super late at night on two hundred two, you know, driving past the Concord Mall. Yes, and the, and the road kind of dips and sweeps. Yeah, it comes into the valley and comes yeah, back out. But it's like super late at night, so there's no one on the roads, and there's all the lights are green. Wee-wee. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like really. Yeah, you listen to this song, just cruising. Yeah, that's just cruising. That's just cruising music. All right, so my my track. Is it cruising music too? No, it's cruising exotica. No. <laughs> um, actually, I cheated a little bit. Um, this is from the band Press Play on Tape, in which Rob Hubbard plays. That's not cheating. He's in the band. He's in the band, and he um, plays arrangements of his classic music. So this is from the game Monty on the Run for the C64, which is an like amazing, amazing classic tune. Um, from his band Press Play on Tape. And you can find this. I've only been able to find this on YouTube, and it's a pretty darn good recording of it. So I wanted to play this for you. Let's hear it. I'm curious.
That was Monty on the Run, played by Press Play on Tape, um, or arranged by uh, Rob Hubbard for with his band Press Play on Tape. That track was sick. Yeah, as yeah. When I first heard this, I was like, "This is the Purnell tune, totally the Purnell tune." It succeeded. It's true. <laughs> a lot of like really cool guitars, like really great solos, um, like a, a higher tempo, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of like an adventure kind of sound to it, it almost def- like a, like an RPG kind of thing going on. I can see Monty running through a temple on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a dungeon. Yeah, like just dodging traps and carrying <laughs> the treasure out of the dungeon in one piece. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know anything about who Monty is. Apparently he's a... A man who loves danger. Uh, short for Montgomery, maybe? Montana Max? Uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus? Monty Burns? <laughs> for, more information on, for more information on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their band camps, sound clouds, and everywhere else you can buy their music and support the artists. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Rhythm and Pixels, episode 10-5, our focus on the composer, amazing classic composer, Rob Hubbard. Not Ron Hubbard. No. And also, specifically, his work for the Sega Genesis and maybe Nintendo? (laughs) Yeah, we dug down on those two systems, heavy, heavy, but it was all for good reason, and it resulted in awesome picks. And um, definitely, like, seek us out on Facebook or, or wherever if you want to correct us there. I, I love to get more information on that. Um, I couldn't find a whole lot of, like, who composed which songs for which system. Things get a little hazy. Yeah, I feel like in earlier games specifically, they weren't so focused on who composed which tracks. It was just, I worked on this game. Give me credit. Or in the case of some games, as we know, they just gave them pseudonyms because they didn't even put that much effort yeah, and they yeah. being concerned about it. I was like, yeah, I'm crazy G. But it, it, felt, it felt like the right thing to do to finally actually end on an actual Commodore 64 track of his like classic uh, Sanxion loader theme. Um, loader! Yes, so, I got to hear more loader themes. Another thing I researched... Um, I fell into research on this episode was why there were so many loader themes. So for the Commodore 64, most games were on actual tape, like audio tape. Mm -hmm. And you would load the game from the tape into the machine. But it was so slow. So slow. Like it would take like 30 minutes to play a game. To load a game into memory. I remember we did that episode with Michael. Yes. And I had picked the track from Gianna Sisters, and I was confused why it was called Loader Theme. Yes. And it was like, oh, because you explained, like, this is why. So loaders a, work. A, one of the programmers developed, um, it was, it's, it's called the Ocean Loader, or like it was on a lot of Ocean games, like RoboCop and Terminator. Oh, Ocean and Software. Oh, Ocean Software, yeah. Um, but it was just like, it was used a lot by Ocean games. But he, he, he developed a way to, to speed up the process, make it faster. Oh, cool. And so it took a matter of like five to ten minutes. And so while it was loading the game, it couldn't do anything else. But the SID chip, the SID sound chip, had plenty of time to do whatever it wanted. So they would write these long, elaborate tunes to play while the game was loading. This was also the opportunity for them to combat software piracy. Because if, if a game was just loaded from an audio tape, in those days, 
you know, suddenly, you know, having those boom boxes with two tapes, you can just record from one tape to the other. Uh-huh. Like, how easy would that be to copy a game, right? Yeah. So they were they would do a lot of like weird, like glitchy stuff in during these loader tunes to like combat oh, piracy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of like like weird like programming stuff that goes on behind the scenes, which influenced why we have this music and why it's as long as it is, and um, it's just really cool why they're called the loader theme and why it's sometimes the only song for that game. <laughs> the rest of the game is completely quiet. Yeah, but it gives you something to listen to, something cool, and it gives them like all the time in the world to like to, to, to make this amazing music. It's also interesting because I wonder, I don't, I haven't played enough of the games to make this distinction, but I wonder if they sometimes go, this doesn't even have to fit the theme of the game, it all can just sound awesome, and we'll throw it in for the loader and just go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I wonder, yeah, if, if um, they, maybe they've, they've composed these tunes and then, and then adapted them later on, but I doubt that because of how how difficult it was to compose for these systems. It was a lot of programming, a lot of um, uh, machine machine language like Z80 or whatever they were using at the time, mm-hmm. uh, machine code. So, um, so before we sign off, we'd like to thank our Patreon subscribers. We'd like to thank uh, Brian Pitt, uh, Michael Bridgewater again from Forever Sound Version. Thank you so much for the picks and for the information on Rob Hubbard. We want to thank Chris Murray, Henrik Anderson. Thank you for the uh, the little audio like response and Facebook. That was awesome. It was a lot of fun to listen really to. Really great to get that. Um, we want to thank uh, Matthew McDowell and Alex the Messenger. Messenger. The Messenger. The. <laughs> it's Alex the Messenger. Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, thank you all. You're all helping us you know, keep the lights on, keep the show running. Um, it's it's just it's just a huge help, and it helps us to produce more content and do more things um, for the show. This is true. Mm. And again, I'm not sure if anyone's going to respond to this, but if you do, throw some suggestions for potential streamable games because I still need to get off my butt and do that. But I would like some ideas on what people want to actually see done. I don't. I'll be pretty fresh at the whole concept, but. We can grow together. <laughs> yeah, so if you, if you have a, a game you want to see streamed, the CSC Purnell play and, and, and get angry about, or maybe we can play together, like let us know, and, and we'll, we'll just do it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> I might eat taquitos while we do it, just for the flavor of it all. Well, because you just want to eat taquitos. That's, that's, don't don't, don't yeah, say don't, that. Yeah, you just don't don't make this an excuse I'm to eat I'm doing it for the food. fans. <laughs> I'm doing it for the listeners. <laughs> that's challenge. I like that. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, um, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you want more information on the show or a full track listing, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Um, if you want to get a hold of us on social media, uh, Facebook seems to be the place to be. Um, like more, It's most active. Most of the conversations are active there. Or you can get us on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else. It's uh, rhythmandpixels, all one word. Um, if you'd also like to um, maybe help out the show if you're feeling generous, Every little bit really helps. Go to Rhythm and Pixel, sorry, Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. That's really great. Um, and then... I guess last thing you should mention the, the shirts. Is, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, go, go on Facebook. We have a pinned to the top of our little Facebook page there. We have some really cool branded uh, Rhythm and Pixels apparel. I got a hoodie. I like it. You like it? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a t-shirt in the mail pretty soon. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, so check that out. I think it's a teespring.com slash, you know, I'm not even going to get, don't even try. Yeah. It's probably like a bunch of numbers. And no, letters. no. Our name's in there somewhere. Surrounded by numbers. Surrounded and letters. by numbers and letters. And it's all like hashed out. Yeah. I don't know. 
Um, so that's it. Uh, tune in for next week. We've got uh, some really cool themed episodes planned, and we're going to have our 100th episode pretty soon. So we'll be um, having some suggestions and some things about that. It'll be a jam. It'll be a jam. But right now it's getting late. It is very true. But for you, your day might be just getting started. So seize the day. Do your best. Drink tea. Drink a whole lot of tea. Better than coffee. That's what we do. That's right. We said it. You know what? I don't like coffee. You're drinking coffee right now. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's better than tea. <laughs> tea is better than coffee. <laughs> All right, well, this has been the Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. Super tea drinking podcast. That's right. Yeah, really. Tea for life. Tea for life. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernev. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful week. And remember, simply put, creativity, creating, getting your hands into the muck, mixing them around, pulling out something, shining it off and saying, this is my baby. I did this. There's something to be said about that. We are, we are creators by nature, in a sense. And by not doing something creative, you are depriving yourself of something glorious, something fulfilling. It may feel hard to determine something that you can create. I'm living proof of that. But I can also say that when you do come up with something, no matter how ridiculous it may be, you'll be glad you did. Cook a meal. I don't know. Cook a meal. Write a few jokes. Come up with a skateboard trick. I don't know. Be Tony Hawk Jr. Um, Any number of things you could do. As ridiculous as it may sound, just try. Stick figure comics. Anything. You'll be glad you did. Trust me on that one. Have a good night.